Hello everyone and welcome to our fifth episode. We've been inactive for some time but we are finally back. Hope you enjoy this episode with Amin from Algeria. Algeria is an African country also known as the Balkany of the Mediterranean with a rich heritage that is a unique fusion between Mediterranean, Arab and African cultures. This was one of our more serious episodes with quite a few important topics pertaining to Algeria and the world in general being discussed along with some lighter moments of course. Hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we did recording it. Yeah. Hello, hello. How's the audio quality? Oh, really good and uh, you have a really nice voice too. <laughs> oh, why thank you. That's good, I think. Adds to the it conversation. Is. My name is Amin. What does it mean? I mean, to it means someone who is trustworthy, trustful, something of the oh. sort. It's like someone who you want to usually, if this was not their name, if this was a prof, you know, profession, if it was a work, it would be someone that you trust your money and possessions with. That's his job. The I mean, or the trust banker, whatever. Is that the uh, meaning in Arabic? Yes. So do you think it describes you? Hopefully. I do like <laughs> to stand by these things, but it's a bit tough in these days and age to be in the side of justice, to be in the side of good is usually for many people a sign of weakness. And it doesn't really matter to me because I do like to stand by those principles. That's true. Even though it's hard, we must do it, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So and just to bring this up again, I think she mentioned it already, but your voice is uh, really soothing and like uh, it sounds like those narrator voices on YouTube. Do you do any uh, voiceover work by any chance? I did get this a lot. Uh, many people did mention this. I think first and foremost is because I don't speak the English language natively. I do have to think about the sentences and the phrases and the words that I use. So I do speak slowly and that made me sort of like a narrator. I understand this. I'm also 34 years of age. So that's probably add to adding to the uh, whole thing. But I don't know, uh, voice acting in our country is uh, something of a non-existent kind of job. So I do like the idea. I do like to partake in such things, but it's going to be a huge endeavor. And I'm not certain if I can do it or not. Okay, so what's your uh, day job then? My day job as I used to work, because currently I am jobless, uh, the company I used to work with uh, is under investigation and they kind of laid out most of the, uh, the workers. Uh, they produce electronic devices and everything. And my line of job was in computer networking. So okay. because of that, now I'm jobless. <laughs> and of course, add to the, to the situation COVID and yeah. it's kind of hard to find a job nowadays. I'm fine though, um, planning to continue my studies in the coming fall and hopefully if the situation gets better, I'm leaving the country soon to do something more important. Like for your <laughs> education, you mean like, are you going to do your masters or something? Yes. So no, 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 no. I'm trying to do another thing. I'm trying to reboot. Like I said, I am currently. I have my qualification in computer science, but what I want to do is language department um, because 
I'm good with English currently. I would like to redo my bachelor's. I don't know if you guys have bachelor's in India or not. So I want to redo my bachelor and then go study abroad and have some sort of a qualification. And hopefully all of that is going to culminate to me doing some sort of voice acting career. Like I said, it's non-existent here. So if I want to do it seriously, I have to leave the country. Okay, so you're pivoting to a totally new field. Exactly. It's that a new adventure, and I like adventures. For you, I think. Well, yes, of course. I do play video games a lot, so any new adventure in life is a good adventure. <laughs> so yes. Uh, we heard that you have you had an earthquake in Algeria, and it was five point four on the Richter scale. It's not too big compared to other countries, but for us, where we extremely rarely get earthquakes, it is kind of a big deal. Everyone is safe. There was no human loss. But hopefully, hopefully the situation is clear and stable. So where did this happen uh, and where do you live? So it happened in a town called Mila. And Mila, as, long, as well as Bumerdes and other uh, towns in Algeria, are known to have tectonic plates under them. So earthquakes there are something of a commonplace. The last big earthquake, I think, was seven or eight on the Richter scale, and it was in Bumerdes, and it was very bad. Many people died and many lost their lives. And you have to understand that the buildings here, the infrastructure, doesn't take in account earthquakes. So if there is an earthquake, many buildings are going to fall. It's sad, but it is what it is. So yeah. I live in a town kind of in the middle, a bit tiny bit to the east in the high plateaus, and it's called Borjbaririj. In English, it's something of a, the tower of Aririj. Aririj is a name, and the tower is Borj in Arabic. And wow. I want to start from the beginning. I'll start from Algeria. Algeria is, for the listeners who don't know actually where it is, it's in Africa, in the northern part of Africa, and it's the largest country in Africa. So, Is it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it's the largest one in Africa. Uh, to give you a scale, because when you look at the map, you know, the one that we have in school and uh, in many people's rooms and everything, you see Africa, you see Europe, you see other continents, and you don't really take, you know, uh, in thought how big is Africa. So let me give you... An idea, and there is a website that can that gives you the correct scale of countries, so you can compare, like for example, India to the United States. For example, my country is forty-three percent of the United States. My country alone—that's how big Africa is. Whoa. And oh yeah, oh yeah, and I am somewhere around two, three hundred kilometers, which is around two hundred and eighty or two hundred and seventy. What do you have, guys? I think it's kilometers. Yes. You don't yeah, have yeah. miles. We follow the metrics. Yeah, stupid miles, but it's around <laughs> 180, no, 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 280 to 160 miles, something of the sort, from the uh, capital, which is Algeria. And Algeria do have three types of uh, weather. We have the Mediterranean weather, you know, humid, rains, you know, the sea kind of weather. We have the interior kind of balanced weather where I live, a bit too cold in the winter and a bit too hot in the summer. 
currently it's 39 it's around 39 degrees in the day so i think that's not so bad yeah it's not it's really not so bad compared to the desert and we have one of the biggest deserts in africa where it gets to 50 55 and stuff like that degrees. oh the sahara yes yeah. How much desert. of uh, Algeria exactly uh, does the Sahara cover? It's probably 70% of Algeria is desert. 70%? We live in, yes, most of the, well, there's 45, 44 millions of us. And uh, I mean, you guys are in India. We think we are, there's so much of us, 45 millions. And <laughs> of course, with the COVID and everything, many eyes were laid on China. And what people don't understand is 45 million inhabitants is basically nothing for a country like India or China. That's nothing. That's basically one or two towns. Or I think it's the prefecture where uh, Wuhan is, is more than 47 or 50 million inhabitants. Yeah, true. I think that's just like two or three cities or something in India or even China. It's really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people, uh, you know, people usually complain we can where there's too much of us. I'm like, no. There's not too much of us. And we can pick up the litter outside and clean ourselves. We're really nothing compared to other countries. We're seriously nothing. We're a speck in the water. But yeah, it's like, can you imagine having 45 million in almost 50% of uh, the United States? It would take so much between one people and one, one guy and another to meet. That's how big things you are. You mean yeah. the population density would be really less, right? Yeah, but of yeah. course, because 70% of the country is desert, so most of us do live in the northern part where the vegetation is, when the, you know, the environment is good for us to live in. Okay, so you so, mean close to the Mediterranean then? Yeah. Okay. I think the, uh, the folks that live in the Sahara are called Tuareg. I don't know if you guys know or not. These are the mm. serious native people that have been living here for possibly thousands of years, to be honest. You know, they live in the desert. They know the desert. They navigate there, and they are some of the best people you ever know. They don't even care about what country they live in because there's no system there. There's no government. There's no law. They have their own laws. They have their own infrastructure. You don't have, you know, gas and electricity and water and all those so, things. It's so vast. You can't possibly have, you know, cities. There are some cities in them, but most of it is just plain, barren desert. So you can't possibly have a city in the desert. Where, you know, in the, let's, let's call them the doors of the desert. Of course, there are cities. There are people living there and everything. But most, when you get to the center, if you have the map, when you get to the center of Africa, that's just desert there. And the people live in there, they just live in their own tents and they have their own means of survival. And it is fascinating. Even though I, they are from my own country, it feels like they aren't part of us at all. And like I said, they have their own culture, their own so way of speaking like, and everything. Uh... It's basically the nomads. When you say the word nomad, that's the basic thing, the basic thought that happens you know, in your brain. Algeria is the land of many, many, many kind of people, obviously, uh, many kind of colors of skin too, from brown people to white people, but I'm pale white. I'm too white. <laughs> I, I live in a cold area, so I'm a bit too white, uh, to all the way to, you know, the African normal skin tone, which is black. So 
you have everything here. And it's always fascinating to see this. You know, when you see some racism in other places, you feel like... So once I, I, I was with some friends and we were seeing some Indian videos. And to me, it's normal. That skin tone is the people that you see outside. And for them, they're like, we never see this before. We, yeah, they live in Europe and everything. Yeah, I think they it's see quite similar in India too, where we have, a lot my, of, we have a whole range of skin tones here. Yeah, my father is basically, if you put him in India, he would look like any other Indian. He, he's, you know, he worked a lot outside. Of course, he got tan and there you go. I took a lot to my mother. It's my, if you see me, I'm basically a spitting image of my mother. But my father has the same skin tone of any Indian you'd see. And sometimes I see some Indians and I'm like, dude, that's from, <laughs> we gotta have some, someone from, you know, a branch of the family that comes from India. There's no way. It's just, the same features, the same physical features. So the whole skin color, you know, different of races and everything is fuzzy to me. Why would people divide races? It's weird. It's just anyway, that's another class. subject. Yeah, it's another subject. Yeah, like the guy who came here and decided to deem the people of white skin color here Caucasians, you know, the guy who named other races, the scientist, so to say. But yeah, like I, guess, like I yeah. said, it's another topic. We are talking about Algeria. Yeah, and, and you were talking about so. uh, the nomads, right? Have you interacted with many of them? Well, of course, they are to their own, most of it. Like I said, they're nomads. They're called the Tuareg. And they live alone. They don't need the outsiders. So, but the thing is, they really are well-spoken, civilized people. It's not, they keep that part of them, you know, that, part that have been here for millennia but at the same t time sorry they are normal people you know they use cell phones they speak the same language well, actually they speak better arabic than i do and they're really good they have their own language too uh that's another thing and i am always fascinated by them i wish i could travel there but it is a developing country so it's kind of hard you don't have the expenses to travel even though it is in your own country i'm pretty excited to be able to do that sometime soon but i don't know and of course if you go to the middle you're gonna have many other races like benim zab like um benim zab are also kind of unique they have their own unique it's like in the gate of the desert so they have a bit of a halter situation there they have their own culture their own kind of housing and they are let's just say the experts of uh, trading, so to say. It's like, if they do, if there's people coming from that part of the country to the northern side, they usually are really, really good traders and, uh, you know, they are expert in the domain. And that's good. And you get into the area that I'm living in, which is basically used to be an entire fields of wheat and cereals and, uh, you know, plant farms and everything. I used to be a time when Algeria used to feed half of Europe. That's why we got occupied by many when occupation was a thing. France was the last one that stayed here for 132 years. And of course, they came here because, well, Algeria is in the, the most strategic area. It's big, has everything they need from minerals to petrol to gas to, you know, to 
planting stuff yeah, to you. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. I think uh, is is French a very widely spoken language in Algeria? Do you speak yes, French? of course I do. It's the second spoken language. So basically, okay. l l let's talk about languages a bit. We have the native languages, the native African languages. I said that the Tuareg have their own. You have the Amazigh language. You have the Shawi language. Uh, you have the widely spoken dialect, and it differs from one place to the other. And the dialect here is kind of a mix between French and Arabic, but it's not really French and it's not really Arabic. You do recognize some Arabic words, but they're twisted to be this own country's, you know, uh, way of speaking. So basically the other countries who do speak Arabic, they will not understand this, especially us and uh, Morocco. Tunisia is fine. Tunisia is like they still hold on to a bit of the uh, Arabic spoken way of things. But when you get to Algeria and Morocco, basically you have to live with us to understand us, even if you speak the Arabic. If I say many people do speak Arabic, Arabic, I don't know. We do study it as a language, but, and most here do proclaim that they are Arabs. But to be honest, if you can't speak a language, I don't think you should call yourself uh, an Arab. But I don't know. Yeah. It's a huge debate. Yeah, speaking of it's that, a, is your culture, uh, would you say it's more uh, African or would you say it's more Arabic? Or is it a proper mix? Yeah, Middle East. That's, that's the thing. We're definitely not Middle Eastern. I think, sadly, it's neither. It's not African. It's not Middle Eastern. It's more European. I oh, hate to okay. say it. That's really interesting. Then again, the French have been here for 132 years exercising, uh, exercising ethnic cleansing. They wanted to get rid of us. When France left the country when we got our liberation back in 1962 there were only eight million people living in this country can you imagine eight million that's all that was left of us and they spent a long long time trying to get rid of uh, the algerian identity and they kind of succeeded again 132 million years is a long time not million years <laughs> 132 years is a long time so you if you come here if you visit especially you know the coastal cities you think you are in france we are more like uh you know in the french architecture uh, you know greece spain and all those things than we are to the middle east side of things i think the only significant resemblance is with the ottomans because those are the second ones that been here which is the turkey the turkish people uh, the ottomans stayed here for a long time the arab came and they brought the religion with them, but they quickly, I don't say left, some of them stayed, some of them left. And that's why the Arabic is the wide spoken language. Because we can't have French, that's stupid. You can't have you, you know, the one country that occupied you and killed your entire family as a language, that's bad. But sadly, it is the case. It's the second most spoken language. And hopefully we're slowly trying to get rid of it. We want to speak English. Most of the youth right. here prefer English over French. And so, to be honest, English is better than French. Not many people speak but French outside of wouldn't France. You rather, uh, like, uh, wouldn't you rather that an African, a native African language became the most spoken language? Because again, English is another uh, language uh, of colonialism, right? which used to be a language used by... That's the, the thing. We don't have one native language. Like I said, there is Shewi, there's Amazigh. These are the two prominent ones. 
If you don't have people speaking the dialect, you have people who are Kabils. Kabils is basically tribe in English. You know, the tribe that live in mountains and they have their own language. That's the most prominent one. And you can hear it a lot. But you can't put it as the national language because you have the Shawi. And the Shawi is also equal in size. And then, of course, you have the Amazigh. What are you going to do with that? So it's kind of a strange situation. Of course, most people agree to the Arabic, especially it's super close to those dialects. People who speak those dialects can easily transition to Arabic. And of course, the French was imposed upon us. The third one is English. And like I said, it is, there is an identity crisis here. From people who want to be Arabic to others who don't want to be Arabic, the native people, and it's a weird situation. What about you? Uh, I would like to, I do kind of speak the dialect, but I don't understand it a lot because we don't practice it at home, obviously. But most of my friends do speak it and in time I kind of took a liking to it. I speak Darja, as most people here do. I speak Arabic, I speak French and English and hopefully Japanese in the foreseeable future. Learning languages is kind of a hobby. Kind of a side note, so many people here like the Indian language. We are extremely exposed to Bollywood and the people here kind of like, oh yes, they love the Indian cinema. They love it. It's been always the case. Kind of fell a tiny bit in the recent years because South Korea, Turkey kind of took over, but it's kind of like an era. In the 80s and the 90s, it was the Mexican dramas. But there was one kind that was always prominent, which is the Indian uh, kind of uh, cinema. It was always here. There's always some big movie or some big drama show that people are watching. I think only a few months now that I haven't seen some sort of an Indian drama in my home. You know, one, one of my sisters or my mother watches one of those things. But it is something normal. You would be so surprised. So many people watched movies. I th- I've never been a big fan. It's Bollywood, let's face it. Let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. But there are some that I actually liked. Uh, one of them, Slumdog Millionaire. Amazing movie. I love it. And I watch it in the original language. I would never watch it in another language. I like, uh, I will not call it the Indian because you have, uh, you guys have many dialects and uh, kind of, uh, you know, spoken ways. So you can't just call it Indian. Like in China, you can't, you can't call it the Chinese language. It's the, there's Mandarin and there's other forms to it. So it's a bit yeah. weird. What, yeah. do you, what do you guys say? say? Indian language or anything else? Uh, I would say uh, the movie you are watching is probably Hindi movies. Yeah. It's Hindi, Hindi yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Which is generally right. spoken in uh, the northern part of India. So these shows you watch, are they dubbed? It's subtitles. Like oh, I said, okay. we hear the Indian language. And it's so fascinating when sometimes uh, you hear an Arabic spoken word. And you're like, what? <laughs> what did I say? You know, I think, the, I don't know if it is the Arabic language that took from the Indian language or the Indian language that took from the Arabic language. I have no idea, but there's different, definitely some words Can that you, you hear. Examples of them? I have no idea. I, just, I remember those, but I can't be for certain. But I don't know. Like, there is a example, uh, gray area between Hindi and uh, Urdu yeah. and Arabic. 
Arabic has also had a huge influence on uh, many European languages, right? Especially, uh, especially English. For example, I think algebra is an Arabic word originally. Oh, that's you're talking about the 300 years of the golden age of uh, the Islamic civilization yeah. Yeah. when it, it was basically all over the place. Of course, it did because many sciences, many things in science in general were invented there. So it goes without saying, of course, you call it. It calls algebra because the one that invented it is called Jabir. Jabir al Hayyani is his name. So I think, don't quote me, please. <laughs> I hate to mislead people, but usually it's because his name is Jabir. That's why it's called algebra. But it is interesting. Either way, like I said, many people to this day still watch Bollywood and Hindi stuff. And I like that. It's really good. It shows diversity. Definitely. And yeah. But what I mean, about uh, Al- Algerian shows itself? Are there any Algerian actors or is there an industry for Algeria? <clears throat> it used to be. But in the recent history, especially in the 90s, we have a what we call a dark decade. From 1989 to all the way to 2000, there was that's I think that's the period where Algeria kind of disappeared from the uh, face of the globe. That's where people kind of forgot about this country. Before it, in the 70s, anyone you'd ask about Algeria, they would know. Oh, that's you know that country over there. They had this, this, and that because it was a prominent country. But our own political issues and terrorism and you know people dying left and right and the country kind of shutting down on itself kind of created this black hole of people sorry of people not knowing about this country so from the 90s all the way to 2000s there was a lot of killings some call it a civil war some call it a political conflict and here they the government likes to call it terrorism like i said there was a lot of deaths and everything and it wasn't a good era uh yeah so in that era the cinema industry kind of disappeared before it used to be prominent even some movies even won you know uh, renowned awards like uh you know in the count shows and everything but after it kind of disappeared there is some sort of shows that are aired but usually those are aired in the holy month of ramadan it's just that a bunch of shows they prepare and everything but to say there is cinema here or prominent um arts not really it's kind of a dead 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 situation we don't even have a cinema house here like it's used to we used to have one but not many people go there anymore so it closed and it's sad because I would love to watch some sort of a modern movie in a cinema. So, yeah. So much better than watching it in your computer screen. But it is what it is. We're coming back. Slowly, slowly coming back. Like I said, it's just a decline. People just no longer want to go to the cinema. It's the attention of the youth at the time shifted from cinema, movies and everything to watching and, uh, let's face it, worshipping soccer or football so they are more into sports mainly the big one rather than watching movies and everything it's sad it really is because seriously there used to be a strong industry here some of the greatest movies i have in my own you know uh, library are from my own country and it was like we, we, we didn't do a lot of drama but comedy wise we had some of the best actually Maybe, maybe in the future it comes back. It's not started yet. 
is nobody trying to restart it's like i said it's uh, a developing country so in order to do something like that you need to have an art school you need to have actors and there is one in the entire country and it's not really that good so the actors themselves are mediocre and most of them who do have a good acting or have ambitions they just leave the country and go do it elsewhere so there's just not so much interest currently again like i said it's kind of slowly turning around for these things to happen you need to have stability in the country you need to have people live in and show the state of it i think you yourself might be a good example right because uh, you're planning to take up uh, voice acting to be where, honest so with where, you uh, your talent would be more you i mean like i said it doesn't it's non existent here voice acting seriously it, in order to do voice acting you have to be an actor goes without saying you have to have, take up some acting lessons there is no such thing here so as you can see if i want to do this i need to leave the country it's not easy so you can imagine but i would love it if i could have a career here seriously i think you can because you have a really nice voice <laughs> can't say this can't say this too many times i thought so with no, which your country thank you so much. are you planning to move to the us actually no i really don't i seriously don't i don't like the us i don't like france i would france i don't want to live in france i don't want to go near france so many of us are in france already i think the one country that i'm probably going to go to is canada it's easier going there is really easy and you have a lot of opportunities and i kind of like the cold <laughs> i like the snow i like the ice i like I think, the cold weather i think it must be a welcome change for you right well you know it's kind of the same but my dream countries you would think in this order it would be new zealand iceland and japan japan is a bit iffy because well it's not easy it's really not easy but iceland iceland is doable New Zealand yeah. is really far fetched it's so far from us there's not even Iceland and New Zealand there's not even a consulate here in order to go to Iceland i need to have i need to go to europe and have a visa there just to travel to iceland so why, why you try india with the bollywood industry <laughs> <laughs> i think i think uh i wouldn't want to be offensive because no, no. it would sound offensive no no i'm completely understand anything you're about to say <laughs> when i see india i see algeria i see the similar ways of living although you guys have much much better food you know it's so much better oh, really? we do have our own good dishes but no food is so much better let's just face it let's i'll be honest here but i would love to visit india i would love to do it but i wouldn't want to live in india i would love to live in a cold place not in a hot place yeah we I understand that's, that's, yeah. that's the that's my own uh, my own my own only problem i don't like the heat i've never liked the heat i live in it i hate it i want to live in a place where there's permanent ice that's why i like iceland is because it's permanent ice and there is no daylight there's 6 months of cold at night so you know it's kind of perfect for me <laughs> i like iceland you know being in the dark iceland is pretty great because i've heard they don't have mosquitoes over there it's freezing the mosquitoes cannot fly yeah iceland doesn't have mosquitoes and uh, ireland doesn't have snakes 
I don't know if you guys heard about it. That I mean, New Zealand have snakes as well. But seriously, uh, speaking of the mosquitoes, I don't know if you guys have them, but I think these these are serial murderers at the night. They will eat you live. You yeah, put we the, have loads and loads of them, yes. You put the thing that supposedly killed the mosquito, and the mosquito is like bathing in that odor and everything. It's like, yeah, they just what do you think is going to happen? Home, they, get, <laughs> they will lift your blanket if, you take, if you're covering yourself with a blanket, and they will suck your own blood dry. Man, I hate the mosquitoes. All right, so I think we should get in a bit with the political kind of situation in Algeria. Like I said, it's one of the biggest problems in Algeria. That's why not many people learn about this country as it used to be. But yeah, we have problems ever since we got our own liberation in 1962. There's always been a problem in the government. But the most prominent one was from 1999 all the way to 2018. There was one president that ruled for 20 years and there was a lot of problems then to just sum things up i don't want to get into details of what happened but as there was a lot of problems then a lot of corruption a lot of issues was, like uh, i said was he a dictator basically or uh, something else? no no not really no not really he's just a bunch of thieves and thieves don't really <sighs> care about dictatorships they just want to steal as much of the country as they can that's all there is to it and the result okay. is a country that should have been one of the best on the planet is now one of the worst on the planet sadly because if you if you think if you look at where we are what we have the situation that we are in we should have been some of one of the best countries we have everything if you want crops we are here if you want industry easily feasible the land is good the weather is extremely amazing if we switch with Japan, Japan will just easily conquer the planet. They would have everything. They didn't have anything, they, and they almost conquered, you know, half of the planet. So you can imagine if they have everything in their land, and no earthquakes, no typhoons, no disasters, natural disasters, I mean. There's some forest fires, but most of these forest fires are made by human idiots. I don't want to curse on this podcast because... There's some human trash here, and they should be burned alongside the forest that they burn. Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty vile creatures. But, yeah, the political situation, like I said, had been really dire. And we're supposed to have been better. But because there was so many corruption, we didn't go anywhere. And back in 2018, they announced a fifth term. For a president, I don't know if you know him or not, it's Abdelaziz Bouteflika. He kind of had a stroke in 2013 that left him crippled. So they did re-elect him. He was kind of already almost half dead and they re-elected him and people were silent. And then they announced a fifth term and then people revolted. Back in 2019, there was a huge uh, uh, protest across the country everyone took to the streets we don't want a fifth term we want this guy out and everyone who's with him in the government out and of course we did succeed the only thing that stopped us currently is covid the covid situation is stopping us but there's still many things that needs to be fixed 
Uh, was it Algeria affected by uh, the Arab Spring in 2011, or uh, was that mainly in uh, the the main Middle Eastern country? Yeah, no, no, that's uh, that's in uh, that was Tunisia that was affected by it, but not us. Okay, not us. Uh, uh, there was a kind of a protest when the prices of sugar and oil skyrocketed. So people kind of like they, there's always always a boiling situation. But if you add fire to boiling oil, of course there's going to be huge flame. So when you skyrocket the prices of things that people use, they would have you would have problems. But the situation got easily fixed. Of course, like I said, the minority, which is the uh, Kabil, also kind of revolted. They wanted their own rights and they wanted the language to be taught in schools, which is happening. And that was also kind of easily negotiated. The president gave them what they wanted and they stopped. But the biggest one where everyone was together is the one from 2018. And that was a big movement, like I said. And we succeeded in taking down the... uh, crippled president like seriously he's dead the guy's let the guy die he's just an old man who's crippled from a stroke in his brain just let him go to his house and you know live the rest of his days in peace like i said corruption was rampant the company that i was working with it happened that the guy that was running it stole so much money they didn't he didn't pay his workers enough we didn't get paid enough i mean my salary was 30,000 Algerian dinars. 30,000 Algerian dinars is basically $300. That's how much I got paid a month. $300 is nothing. If I go and work the same position, I would be making at least $4,000 a month. That's, a, that's how much? A 1,000% increase? So you can imagine. I can, you can imagine how the situation is. And of course, the company kind of kind of stopped because it was it is under investigation and it is what it is is it a homegrown so, was it a homegrown uh, algerian company of course it is okay like i said there's a ton of money here <laughs> this country has a ton of money it's a rich country with poor people living in it yeah i there's think everything. we have the exact same problem here you can relate. It's like I'm telling. Basically, I'm telling you the story of India. I'm just telling you the story of India. The only difference is this is a small three or four con- uh, towns in India compared to the whole continent of India. Well, not continent, but you get what I mean. Figuratively speaking, the India is a huge place, and just you take those small problems and you magnify them and you have India compared to Algeria. Yeah, I, I think the only difference was we subsidize the growth of the UK and you subsidize the growth of France. Yeah. I think the, the only difference is the UK had a different approach in India. They didn't want to ethnically cleanse in the entire place of India. France wanted to replace us. Their plan was kill us all, replace us with the French. That's what they did. They brought in from Italy. They brought in from Spain. They gave them land. They gave them, uh, you know, uh, houses and everything. They were living like they wanted. And the rest of us who are still existing, they wanted us to just be glorified slaves. And when we didn't like this, we revolted. But of course, France grew weaker and uh, they they couldn't keep up with the guerrilla-style warfare that the, the Algerians did. And in 1962, they left. And that was the Independence Day. 
July, the 5th of July, 1962. From 62 to the 70s, like I said, 8 million people in a country this big, of course, booming started, you know, things started looking really good for us. You know, the industry started picking up, the harvesting stuff, you know, the uh, agriculture started picking up. There was, it was an open place for many, many other people. There was doctors from India, from Russia, from many places, just to teach us and to get us on our feet. But of course, there's always greedy people. There's always people who have eyes on money and power. And the struggle started from the end of the 70s to all the way to 2000. And let's just face it, 2018, problems after problem after problem after problem. We have so many problems because of France. France is definitely interfering with us to this day. To this day, man. It's, they don't want us to grow because Currently, Algeria is still attached to France. We want it or we know it. You're just still attached. For us, it's, they're still interfering. I mean, let me give you an example. Because of the movement in 2018, we discovered that there is a huge pipe of gas that is going to Spain and France. They've been taking gas from us from 1978 all the way to 2018, free of charge. We have to pay high prices of, uh, you know, the high price of gas and electricity bills, and they take it for free. Why? Did they nobody see. know about this? No, nobody knew until 2018 where things started leaking and we started seeing the atrocities that are happening. I mean, everyone knows to a certain extent that France and France still has their eyes on Algeria. It goes without saying. But... You kind of don't believe this. You don't believe that it's to that extent. It's strange. That's why many people are resisting the movement to transition from French to English. They don't want it because France doesn't want it. They want us to speak French, to migrate to them, to work for them, and to be technically still attached to France. If we you know, decide to distance ourselves from France, that's not good for them. Economically, that's not really good for them. They rely too much on the soils and the minerals of Algeria to survive. It's a complicated situation, and we kind of need a political expert in the domain to tell us the facts. But I, as a citizen, would love that this country would be better. But it's not easy. It's really not. So you had uh, told that... uh... India, there are a lot of Indian shows that people watch. Does it influence in like how you, things you eat or, you know, things like that? How you dress maybe? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. Of course, they watch them and everything, but it's kind of a too far away sort of things because one thing we do have is, uh, one prominent thing we have is the Indian spices. That we do have. That's That I can tell you 100%. All of the spices here are influenced from India, especially, you know, the ones that you don't really, really find in the Algerian cuisine, which is like curry, for example, and everything. That's Indian influence. But other than that, the way of the clothes, the culture, not that much. Again, we're too far apart. 
I think if we were closer, you would have an influence. If you could bring some stuff from India to Algeria, yes. But if you can't, if you can't even go to India directly, you would understand that it's not an easy thing. Yes, people are fond of the uh, entertainment industry in India, but that's the extent of it. Uh-huh. And so what is food, the Algerian right? cuisine? Yeah. So. What is the Algerian cuisine? Oh, that is a nice topic that <laughs> we're supposed to talk about. So the cuisine here is diverse, but there is one thing, prominent thing, because this is a mainly wheat land, you would find many influenced uh, cereal-like uh, dishes. One of the most popular or the most popular dish here is, of course, couscous. I don't know if you know, if you guys know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, if you, if you want to know where couscous came from, it came from us, from Algeria. That's the signature dish. You can have it with milk. You can have it with uh, tomato sauce, with meat, without meat. You want to be vegan. You don't want to be vegan. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, you want it to be extremely healthy. You want it to be extremely not so healthy. It's one of those dishes that are just really good. I'm proud of it as a Algerian. I'm proud of it to be our signature dish. But other than that, there's so many. And like I said, the prominent thing is, of course, cereals. And the most prominent thing is, of course, meat. And because we do have a good industry in sheep and everything, not really, not much in cows and, uh, uh, you know, beef in general. Although these prominent years, beef has kind of taken over the sheep meat industry. I know you guys, this is kind of a sensitive subject for um, India in as a whole. I do apologize for it, but it is what no, it is. Okay. It is what it is. But yeah. there also be a time when the sheep industry was booming. We still do. I mean, we do sacrifice sheep once a year and we do eat sheep meat. The, uh, it was just some days ago. But yeah, I mean, think, I'm thinking, we don't really have too much seafood because it's kind of an exclusivity to the uh, coastal cities, but a lot and a lot of pastry stuff. We are also influenced by the Greek because they've been here. Rome have been here for a long time. Greece have been here for a long time. And as a result, we do have many of their dishes. We do have a lot of influence from the Turkish side of things. Like I said, they've been here a lot. So the result is this huge mixed bag of things. Each region has its own signature stuff. I think the most Asian thing is what we call the rishta. And it's kind of noodly stuff. And it's definitely from Asia. Definitely. I love it to death, by the way. Uh, it's amazing. It's light. And you can make it with, make it, make it with fish. And you can make it with chicken. You, you do it. My sister, coincidentally, Mind you, I didn't know that I was going to talk about Indian uh, people, but my sister currently is going to make us a dinner, which is the traditional uh, rice with uh, chicken and everything. And uh, It's not curry. It's one of the traditional Indian dishes. Of course, I don't know the name. Okay, Guess with chicken gravy, you mean? Yeah, one of the uh, classic ones. Yeah, I love to. It's really good. good. So, yeah. I, I think one of the foods that I would love to eat from India, it's tandoori chicken. I want to taste that. I've seen it 
in many YouTube videos. I like the way it's prepared. I like the bread that comes with it and I want to taste it. And sadly, the town that I'm living in, they don't have it. There was an Indian restaurant that opened, but sadly they kind of mismanaged their uh, advertising. They didn't advertise. So they had an Indian menu and everything, but it wasn't, they didn't advertise. You would just go by this restaurant. They would have a menu outside. You would read it, but that's it. You know, I hate when a restaurant, doesn't matter what restaurant it is. I hate when a restaurant is open and they close their doors. Never do that. Open the doors. Be open. Ask people to come in. You know, prepare stuff. Give them samples and everything. And people would, especially if this is a foreign thing that they never tasted. Indian cuisine, you can only find in Algiers, which is the capital, and maybe in one or two other cities, where big cities like uh, Wahran, Oran, or Hanaba. That's the name of them. Uh, and is to almost is basically their neighbors to Tunisia, and Wahran are their neighbors to uh, Morocco. The big ones, the coastal cities, all of them are coastal cities. And yes, you would find Andrian restaurants, and people love it there. My mother had Indian cuisine, and she loved it. It was amazing. Of course, she did. It's amazing food. <laughs> Guess what I said? I think it's you a bit costly. Try making it, making it on your own, actually. Yeah, well, I would love to if I was any good at uh, cooking stuff. The only thing I cook, and I want to talk about this because one, it's one of the popular dishes here currently. It's considered fast food. It's junk food. Let's face it. It's French fries, and it's not really French fries. It's the the fries and an omelet. That's the most popular dish currently, especially with the young ones and the uh, construction workers and everything. They will always have this. It's the one thing they would eat. And um, when I say French fries, we just you don't take the fries from, you know, the fast food restaurants and everything. You have to take your own potato, peel it and slice it and fry it. And then add an omelet to it. Whether you want to add meat to it or not, it is absolutely up to you. It goes with some parsley and some cheese all the way to some meat or chicken or tuna or whatever you want to add to it. And it's amazing. It could work as a, uh, a sandwich or you can work as a, just a plate. It's cheap really and it tastes good. I'm feeling hungry even though I just ate dinner. <laughs> I mean, you can make it right now. That's the thing. Like I said, you just need some potatoes, fry them, make an omelette, do whatever you want with the omelette, mix everything together, have a fry, fry in pan, and on a moderate heat, prepare it. If you can, uh, if you can, how can I say it? Uh, if you can flip it, so that it stays all together, that would be really nice. But if you can, just mix everything and just eat. It's basic. And add whatever spice you want. <laughs> whatever you want. Usually it's some salt and some uh, pepper, but you can add whatever you want. That's the thing. It's The sky is the limit. I personally uh, like it with parsley. I love parsley. It's so good. And eggs, it goes without saying, it's the basic things. The fries should be fine, should be well fried. And some cheese. I would love cheese with it. Cheese with it is just good. Like I said, you can add meat, but for me, I don't know if you add meat, it makes it a bit too much. Just a bit of cheese, some melted cheese or some Gruyere cheese or whatever you want to cheese. It just works. The most 
the cheapest kind of cheese basically actually is what I like. As fancy ones you can add in, but to be honest, you just go to the market and buy the cheapest kind of meat and uh, or cheese, and that will work wonders. And that's actually one of the most popular ones. The second one is kind of a salad, and it's made with green the types any type of green pepper. So we basically you would um, not fry it. Uh, you would put the pepper on the, you know, you put the, put the pepper on the on a fire, you know, the, the classic method of uh, cooking the, the the pepper a bit. So you would, whether you want it spicy or not, most people here like it as spicy as possible. So you can you take the spiciest kind of pepper, usually that you know that small ones that looks like death, and you you know you put it on a fire, and then you take the skin away. You slice it, you add some tomato with it, and the secret ingredient, or the most common ingredient here, is olive oil. And it's not virgin olive oil. We have our own brand of oil. It's not uh, virgin. It's kind of like you squeeze the olives, and what comes of it, you just separate it a bit, you know, from the uh, stuff that you shouldn't take, you know, the, the seeds and everything. And the result, you immediately eat. So it has a strong, strong taste. And add it to the entire mix, it is amazing. I think you just one... told us two uh, revolutionary recipes. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. I want to tell anybody else right? about this. <laughs> you guys have a really, really, really lovely bread because we do have our own bread here. Because you, you need to eat it with a galat type of bread. You know, the circular bread, not the French type. The bread that you make traditionally and you guys have uh, your own type of bread so it will work magically i do personally like the one that my mother makes and it, she adds garlic to the mix and garlic just makes everything great and it sometimes when the uh, she doesn't like the uh, spicy one so so she just brings the normal pepper and it's almost a salad it's almost 100 percent salad and sometimes when it's good you add a tiny bit of vinegar. So oil and vinegar, they work really good together. And they have it. Just one secret. Don't use, it will work, to be honest. Virgin oil will, uh, virgin olive oil will work. But it just doesn't add that taste. If you have non-virgin olive oil, you have the uh, secret ingredient. I mean, this is these are just the bread and butter here, basically. You will find it on many homes and everyone eats it. So... Those are the most common and uh, popular ones. But there are other dishes, uh, other fascinating dishes that would be awesome to showcase them. I mean, we rambled about uh, most of these things. I did, to be honest, and to be, to be deliberate, I didn't want to get into the political stuff, and especially okay. the religious stuff. It's political stuff and religious stuff is too complicated, and you can have your own opinion, and then... Europeans somehow will offend someone else and, the, you know, it just doesn't work. So I wanted to keep it historical to make people understand a bit side of the, the country. And hopefully it's been a good conversation. It was, it was. Learned so much, especially uh, how similar our countries are. Oh, yeah, yes. And to somebody uh, you know about Algeria, where, where would you... Uh suggest them if suppose they asked you for travel suggestions 
where would you ask them to visit? Oh, there's so many. That's the thing. That's another thing that I wanted to talk about that I completely forgot. I have completely forgotten. It is some of the best views you'll ever see. Can you imagine a country in this planet where there is no tourism? There is no such thing as tourism here. You would not find, I'm probably certain because you do have a lot of tourism. So there are many places where people are kind of used to tourists. So you have the looks that people give to tourists. It doesn't exist here. We have no tourism here. You're just coming and people will look at you as probably, oh, look, it's an outsider. If they think you are an outsider. If you, if you don't speak, you will not be seen as an outsider. You have to seriously not look like us in order to be considered an outsider. And even then, that's the extent of it. So you will find some really unique things. But that's the problem. There is no tourism, so you need some sort of a guide. Whoever comes here, they either go to the desert, where there is a tiny bit of tourism, or they would come to someone they know, and they would go to the places and travel to the places they want to. It is safe compared to what other people are saying, it is safe. Unless you want to go at 12 o'clock in the night, uh, midnight, in some sort of a dark alley, and you wear the entire your entire gold and jewelry, and you bring your money, then maybe you're going to get, get mugged, and it becomes a dangerous situation. But other than that, it's as safe as any other countries. I mean, we don't have guns here, so you'll not be walking down the streets and some guy is going to shoot you like in the United States. <laughs> but seriously, uh, it's a good country. I'm sad, I'm sad that there is no such thing as tourism. There is a town where the desert climate and the inside climate clash together. You can stand on one hill. To your left, you're going to see the desert. To your right, you're going to see hot springs and snow. That's one of the most amazing places I've ever seen. Couldn't believe it. It felt like it's a fantasy scenery because there you go. There's desert dunes, and to your right, it's just you know monkeys in a hot spring with bubbly water, and snow is coming. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, there's many places. There's so many places you can visit here. But sadly, you need a guide. That's all you need. So I mean, it's been uh, really lovely talking to you. So I hope you had as good a time as we had. We learned. I had a good time. I think in the end, I would like to say thank you for having me. And it's always thank you for a joining us. Thank you yes. for watching. Yeah. No problem. Thanks. I'm always here for these kind of things. Take care.